Lawrence, it's a privilege to meet you. I've heard a lot about your work, particularly in the education sector. Tell me briefly how you got into what you do now. Well, thank you. So I started in construction 12 years ago. I worked in cable uh, for Prismian Cables for about six years. And then um, I moved into lighting and uh, worked for a lighting manufacturer. Um, it started at the beginning of the LED revolution and worked for them again for five, six years. It was all project-based, a lot of contractor involvement, a lot of specification involvement. And it sort of became clear that one lighting manufacturer, even though they can be very good at the parts of lighting that they do, it's almost impossible for one manufacturer to cover all areas. So all areas of product and all areas of project, ranging from architectural all the way through to sort of industrial, educational, health. And so Light Planet was born as a project LED lighting specialist who can collate product from all of the best suppliers, manufacturers, and then bring them all into one project offering and offer them to the end user or the contractor or the consultant. Is there a particular area that you focus on? Not just education, commercial premises, industrial premises for public works clients. And then we also work in the health sector and the education sector, as you know, and in the commercial arena, industrial as well. So probably our biggest area, but we don't specialize in, in anything. Did you say that they have very different needs or are you seeing a convergence between their different needs? They have different product needs, certainly, and application, but what tends to be bad about the existing lighting they have is relatively universal across the board. So you have highly inefficient lighting in all those areas. You have fittings that have deteriorated beyond their useful life. And LED, there are people who would disagree, offers advantages in all those areas, the same advantages for different types of customers. So we offer improved light quality, we offer massively improved efficiencies, and we offer long warranties for all of these customers, regardless of sector. The particular interest I have is to do with light for health and well-being and performance, whether that be to do with alertness at school or in the office. So are you seeing an understanding of how light contributes to that in your work? It's a mixture, like anything. There's people who really engage with the benefits of LED, people who understand them before we even get to them, people who are massively um, open to learning about both, both the benefits and some of the not necessarily factual statements that they've been told about LED. The most famous one being that you can't replicate any of the existing color temperatures in LED. It's always massively brighter than what you're taking out, which of course isn't true at all. And then there's people who, like in any sector of construction and indeed any anyone anywhere, who really aren't interested in, in necessarily finding out about quality, but are mainly interested in price. So we have good relationships with the people who are very interested in it, some of our big education clients, certainly. And for education with LG5 and the regulations surrounding it, there's certain regulations and parameters that this light has to conform to in order to meet the requirements. So when you're talking about things like SIBC lighting levels, when you're talking about glare, when you're talking about um, how children need to get the light, whether it be electric light or natural daylight into the learning environment, we pride ourselves on, on offering a, a solution that meets all of that criteria. One of the other questions is whether sustainability is high on their list 
of things to look out for. Certainly it is a mixture, but yes, it is on the forefront of, of a lot of people's minds. First of all, from an efficiency point of view, with the scale of some of these estates that we're talking about, boroughs of London, huge health estates, counties, whole counties, all of these people have fixed sustainability targets, carbon neutral targets by whatever date it might be, 2030, 2050. And along with certain elements of heating, as well as lighting, they're really being both targeted and incentivized to reduce. So in that aspect, there is, and certainly in a corporate responsibility or social responsibility aspect, there is as well, because the carbon reduction targets you see on the most efficient forms of LED are, are huge. And it's not just about money, it's about the benefit to, to the planet and the benefit to, um, to reducing carbon. And it, we do return investment calculations for all of our payback projects and the savings range from 30% all the way up in some cases where you've got lights burning 24-7 up to an 80% reduction in carbon and 80% saving on their energy bills. That's impressive. So the majority of what we're still replacing on these sites is a mixture of fluorescent fittings, of halogen, of metal halide, of sodium fittings. And if you take what most people think of when they think of an LED, is a, a, a 600 by 600 panel that goes in a, a normal tile in an office. And when you're dealing with T8s, that one panel can be using something like with the control gear loss, 80 to 90 watts. And what we're now replacing it with is, is panels that can be as low as, in some cases, if you've got a, a highest efficiency panel, uh, a 16 and a half, 17 watt panel. So you don't have to be a mathematician to work out if you times that by 300 panels in an office, the savings are enormous. And when you think about the cost of adding a better quality lighting product do you have a sense of how much more that generally is on a budget there's lots of different levels of quality and cost in led led probably more now than a lot of other areas in construction is subject to what is just plain fraud because it's such a, an incentivized area you get led on the market which is just simply not fit for purpose the very lowest cost base and from disreputable sources so Taking that completely out of the equation, you then move into the varying degrees of legitimate LED. And really, even then, we probably don't operate in the budget realm because our key focus is on sustainability. It's really about why would you bother taking an inefficient form of light and then replacing it with the lowest form of the next most efficient? It's a false economy. So what we want to do for all of our customers is find the manufacturers that are really at the forefront of LED technology. So whereas an older fluorescent light might be 70 to 80 delivered lumens, units of light that you get for each circuit watt, we want to be using manufacturers who are using source lumens at sort of 200 lumens per watt so that the actual delivered lumens you're looking at are between 130 and 150 lumens per watt range. So to answer your question, we strike a balance between finding the best cost for our clients at that efficiency. And we work with some extremely good manufacturers who are able through their economies of scale, through the way that they manufacture to achieve those efficiencies without blowing people's budgets sky high. Would you say there was a trade-off between that lumens per watt and the quality of the light, whether it be the color rendering or the glare, those sorts of things? Not really, because there's a lot of established manufacturers in the higher 
budget bracket that are also extremely competent at making high quality LED. So there, there isn't a trade-off as long as you make sure, which not a lot of people do, that they're achieving quality across the manufacturing range. So in addition to their efficiencies, they also have excelled in the quality of their LED chips and the binning of their LED chips, which means that when you buy a hundred or a thousand units from that manufacturer, that the color rendering will not only be high, but you'd be confident they'll be uniform across all of them. And there are measurements for every single aspect of quality in LED. And we do check and other reputable suppliers will check. And of course, in a lot of our projects, if we don't check, you can be sure that consultants will, and you can be sure that contractors will, if you're dealing with good quality. Another question for you is about the role of the designer in, in your work. Do you often get designers involved or do you simply come in as a retrofit uh, solution? What, what's your view about that? Well, we've got a huge range of projects <clears throat> where we enter the project can vary massively. So we do design turnkey from conception all the way through to installation. And that's the favorite part of ours is designing the area from scratch. And yes, we always engage with the designer, multiple designers, in fact, if we need to, because we have elements of a project that can be very functional and we have elements of the same project, which can be completely architectural and we can collate those designs in together. Um, we also come in at value engineering stage where a design has already been done and they want to achieve it, but they want to achieve it for a certain budget, which the original design doesn't have. We can usually achieve exactly what the original design set out to do in terms of aesthetic whilst, you know, providing it for a budget. And that's just through a combination of mixing suppliers and knowing where to buy the best versions of what they get for the best price, but also having a bank of commercial suppliers that we know offer the same level of quality but for a lower cost. Is it value engineering has got a bad name? I'm constantly surprised at um, how a lighting project gets completely designed through design stage all the way through and so many people inputting into it and, and then coming out which a lot of people have spent a huge amount of time and effort from and no one's really asked the question of can a people afford this and b is it actually what they want? So it's almost like a runaway train. And by the time anyone's stopped and, and realized that the, the things got away from them, it's too late. And that's where we come in. It's never about reducing quality. It's about retaining it and being able to do the project in the first place, because that's a project that then would have been sidelined or postponed for months, years, potentially. So. In your view, what's the main stumbling block to people understanding why they should invest in better quality lighting? Well, it's capital cost is the, by far and away the, the biggest stumbling block because even when you have something that pays back incredibly quickly and will reduce your ongoing energy bills, we appreciate that a capital cost is still, for a lot of people, particularly in this environment, is a huge hurdle. And we do lighting projects from sort of £2,000 all the way up to into the hundreds of thousands. And some people get it immediately and have the money, the capital to spend. Some people have access to finance schemes or they have trusts or in some cases, diocese funding, but that's always a, a problem. You're asking somebody to trust you and, and spend what is a lot of money for them. And they can't always make, make the connection or they want to, and they simply can't afford it.
And even when you show somebody the payback and how much their existing lighting or whatever it will be, heating, lighting is costing them, sometimes the status quo and, and the level of spending that they have against their bottom line is still preferable. At least it's an element they can control as opposed to the unknown. But the way we can gauge with people on that is because particularly in public works environment is that the condition of a lot of particularly schools existing lighting across the country is just so subpar and actually health and safety issues and, and particularly emergency lighting. So this kind of approach gives people clear information to be able to be safe and understand the financial requirements. So your role is to be an honest broker between a client and all these new manufacturers coming up because the market is amazingly fragmented, I think, at the moment. It's changed a lot. Yeah, so it is. And we never claim to be a completely impartial body. We're not like a government body. We do turn a profit and we're a, we're a private company and we're here to you know make money. But also our core you know, belief is that we want to reduce people's financial commitments. We want to make people greener. So it's all about, like anything in construction, it's about building relationships and being honest with people. And thankfully, a lot of people are engaging and, 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 and trusting us to do it. Not everybody. Some people think we're trying to fork, get them to fork over cash for another scam, but it's working so far. You mentioned earlier about the issue of awareness or interest or education. Would you say that's an issue as well? quite a lack of understanding about how much benefit good lighting can have but it's very hard to say uniformly that you can provide people with benefits of lighting because anybody who's ever done this job and has been to an office will know that within the same office environment you'll have 20 people who have different lighting requirements people who get headaches by bright light people get headaches by low light people who have eye strain and they you know we can't tell people how they want to work under light. It's completely personal. So what we show people is what we think and what other experts have come up with the best model of light to work, to work under or play under or whatever it is. And a fairly decent majority, that works out well. And and certainly the, the, the feedback from a lot of our projects, and I'm sure other lighting projects, is that once we've done it and done it properly, is that they immediately do see the benefits. Not so much the intangible benefits. I mean, there's a lot of people out there claiming you'll have this much increase in productivity if you choose this way to light your building. And it's completely imme immeasurable, but certainly in a comfort factor, we get feedback that it's positive. And what about the image or value of the building with that feeling when you go into it? Is that something else yeah. people talk about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the great thing about relighting a space and relighting it well is that um, it provides an immediate visual advancement and it's great for case studies, it's great for photographs, it's great for before and after pictures and certainly helps people who own buildings and people who work in buildings and people who live in buildings, they see a, an immediate change. The downside is that a lot of people then have to go and paint their buildings and re-carpet their buildings because, <laughs> because it shows things on walls and ceilings that they haven't seen for 20 or 30 years. I was interested in your thoughts on controls if you completely gutting a building and you're doing a full refurbishment you're taking everything out and you're rewiring it and you're putting everything back in and you don't have controls we're talking mainly about a commercial environment now so offices and industrial premises and things like that then absolutely it makes sense if you've got the budget to have 
control systems with your lighting, including LED, because you're always going to have a point where control falls short of efficiency. So if you've got a 200,000 square foot warehouse, as much as people can turn off lights and turn on lights, it's going to not happen. And, you know, it, even if it does happen, it won't be as intelligent as the system controlling it because it's a different engine. So yes, controls have a massively important part to play. What people need to understand, I think a bit more, particularly when we have third parties engaging on things like education projects, is that whilst things like LG5, you know, call for a certain amount of control and dimming, daylight harvesting, which is really important, in the real world, a lot of the time, we're talking about retrofit projects, we're talking about local authorities, and we're talking about old rundown buildings and people who just simply can't afford the capital layout to rewire. And in a lot of instances, you have to look at the individual um, requirements of the project. So we do an awful lot of controls installations. We've just done a school, a brand new private school with a full wireless Bluetooth control system. And it's really interesting the new control systems that are coming out and how easy they are to use. But we also do a lot of schools where they have site managers and premises managers and they're super vigilant about turning lights off and, and things like that. And at that point, can you really ask them to shell out what might be another 20 or 30,000 pounds across these education estates when you can't necessarily guarantee that the payback will still be there? Or that the people in the building are going to know what to do with it. There are lots and lots of horror stories of things being handed over um, and no one remembers the pin number. It's got another set of buttons. The teachers arrive. They've got an hour. They're not going to spend the first 10 minutes faffing around with the buttons. Yeah, you've touched on the most important part about control. When they're set up, particularly older forms of lighting control systems, as time goes on, when you used to change lighting positions or change ballasts or change things like that, a lot of the commissioning of the lighting system can go completely out of whack. So we go back to old buildings all the time, on big buildings, some 11-storey buildings in central London and things like that, where they've had incredibly expensive control systems put on. Highly intelligent, daylight dimming, time is infinite levels of control, and none of it is functional because FM companies change, new people come in, nobody retrains. The cost of getting commissioning visits out is cost prohibitive. So you've got the world's most expensive on-off system in a lot of these places. So it's really important now that, that the new wave of control systems, it's incredibly easy to commission. Um, it's very easy to provide training initially for what people want to do and then changes, software updates, firmware updates, retraining and things like that can be delivered over the system. You don't have to have full day commissioning visits. So it's definitely an area that has progressed massively. And I think it's an area where some of those systems have got the whole proposition a bit of a bad name. There's certain things in lighting and controls that you, know, you can't get around in the same way that technology progresses in, in every industry is that eventually everything becomes obsolete and replaced by a new protocol or replaced by something like that. So what's important now is that the control systems that we're implementing have the least structural requirements. So they're wireless, so they, they're easily adaptable. So hopefully in the future, when things need to be adapted, it's a much, much more straightforward process and they can keep up, up to date for much longer. The benefit of wireless, you know, from a time and labor point of view is huge, but also from a materials point of view, you're running less and with the price of 
copper and cable and things like that at the moment from a cost base you want to be running as little as possible so if there was one thing that you would like to say to potential clients particularly in the education sector what would that be i think just because of our sustainable bias the one thing i'd want people to focus on is how much their lighting impacts on the environment and then the second and equally as important thing is how is their light negatively or positively impacting the people that have to be under it so those are our two real core reasons for changing lighting is environmental impact and user experience or the user you know comfort level there's a million different ways that companies can you know incentivize their employees to want to work harder for a company and lighting isn't one of those things it's not i can't tell people that they're going to get better people out of it but what they will get is a better environment for those people to be incentivized by whatever they're going to incentivize them with so it's not just about a nice light level it's about an aesthetic space so it can provide really interesting desirable places to work if you look at some of the the offices now in london particularly remote working offices they're just a really really pleasant place to be from all the furniture and all of the facilities available in them and also the way that they're lit and the way that the, the controls work and everything it's it's such a far cry from decades ago when offices were small booths and and desk by desk and people sitting there so yeah those would be my two most important what have you done in your own offices so obviously everywhere that that i live and work is led and we've done everything in their offices as well with full LED setups, like any other place, like like Mike Lowe's lighting companies, we have lighting showcases in offices and things like that, with um, some of the, the most impressive things that the LED can do now, um, which is a lot. We can't even afford in our offices some of the really fancy stuff, but certainly anybody who's uh, got a home or an office that, uh, that they can afford to put LED in, they haven't yet, should really think about it. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Joe.